Well, hey, everybody, welcome back to The Breakdown. As always, I'm your host, Jerron Hummiston. Join with me, not sitting at a table this week, is Pastor Nick. We got comfy chairs. We this got time. comfy chairs. We had to redo the studio yeah. uh, for some shoots after uh, church on Sunday, and I was like, it's already destroyed. Let's let's do something different. Let's do something different. So, and that's kind of what Jerron loves to do. Just change things up. Just change things it, up. Just for the that's sake very of just changing. So this is good. No, reality, um, I figured now that we're into Revelation 6, I, I needed... You need to get a little more comfortable. I just needed something... <laughs> to grab a hold on like i just, <laughs> just need to just be like, ready yeah. to go like Ugh. buckle up here we go oh man so it's nice it's but nice. uh I like, I like yeah you're done with the place thanks thanks it changes constantly <laughs> <laughs> it never stays the same so um so if you are listening to the podcast and you're not watching uh we did change the studio up uh because i, I wasn't kidding we we are going back to your sermon on sunday yep. walking through uh, Revelation six, okay, which is uh, probably the the beginning of the the crazy, the hairy scaries. Yeah. Um, Even though my wife was like, I think every message has just been so encouraging, and it. Uh, I would. She's not doing the whole like white like she's trying to like, be yeah, my yeah. girlfriend. No, no. I would agree with that it. because I think. I mean, we talked about it a little bit on the podcast. Just the. Um, I think the expectation of what people thought yeah. Revelation was going to be because of the few times they've been exposed to it, yeah, what it normally sure. is, is like some loud, angry guy up there <laughs> preaching. Hellfire and brimstone. Yeah, you know, uh, turn or burn kind of. No, that's this Sunday. No. <laughs> I'm ready. Let's go. Oh. So we did Revelation 6. Um, I, For me, I appreciated how you just methodically walked through um all of chapter six, oh. which is, uh, that sounds weird to say because it's no different than what we normally do. Yeah. And so, but I appreciate that. Like, it's just another book of the Bible, just because the world has some very strong opinions about it, just because there's certain things thought about, like, we're not going to deviate from who God has called us to be as Calvary to, uh, to teach and to preach chapter by chapter, verse by verse, Yeah, absolutely. you know, and so not taking out of context anything, not reading into, you know, scripture, anything, but just methodically, you know, and it took us a hot second to get through six, like even just you starting the message, reading it Yeah, was, I was like, oh, he's still going really halfway. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're, halfway we're reading this ha whole, whole daggum thing right here. So, um, I don't know what you had. I have one thing. Let's go. I have I, I have one question that's okay. not really related to six. So I have a, I would say, uh, a pretty deep scholar. This is the, you know, like this is, um, this is my silent rogue, or this is a good friend who yeah. uh, I think is very, very smart. And we have been communicating quite a bit through revelation okay. um i would say he was he's probably one of the premier guys that like if you're studying revelation you want to talk to this guy or whatever and so i actually have a correction that i need to make oh shoot this right? this justin now not like oh is salvation not in christ nothing like that <laughs> some people might be like all right that's kind of that that splitting hairs i was and, waiting for him to yeah yeah no, no. But like a small, uh, small little correction here, which is good. Hold on, hold on. Now I'm trying to think. Oh yeah, okay. Let's play the game. Where do you think 
So in a sense, what I'm saying is I, w- I was slightly off on one part. And what, what, could, what could that be? Let's, let's see what your own thanks. Do, 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 do. Where's the Jeopardy music? I honestly have <laughs> can no. Can we insert that I, in the. We can't. I don't know that it's copyrighted. Well, whatever. Um, I don't. And I'll probably tell you this and be like, of course, only like a really deep theologian scholar that like my geek outs are like Nothing. Tuesday to him. Right. So. I honestly have no idea. Okay. So. He was he was watching, and I said in this I said in the statement um, about the Antichrist that he had a bow but no arrows, and so that he was you know threat of war but through peaceful means. Um, the word the word bow there, um, I read about five commentators mm-hmm. uh, for every Sunday, and that was the overarching kind of concept Mm -hmm. you know there's sometimes where they all align sometimes they don't and looking at things and knowing that the antichrist is going to come and he's gonna he's gonna succeed and he's gonna conquer through peaceful means Mm -hmm. at the start of it Mm -hmm. you know and i stand by that that's 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 in scripture can't um and and we know that the enemy only wants to still kill and destroy and what i this is going to sound funny. What I love that I said Sunday. So like the same way that it impacts me or it impacts other people, it impacts yeah. me. It doesn't matter that I'm the one giving the message. But something that impacted me was when I said, you know, yes, the enemy only wants to still kill and destroy. But nobody said that that was going to be his first move on the chessboard. Mm. You know, so it is going to be through peaceful. Um, but my but my uh, deep source mm-hmm. My deep source. Your deep fake. He said, uh, <laughs> so your statement about the bow with no arrows in the hand of the Antichrist. So the Strong's Greek lexicon uses the word toxin, T-O-X-O-N. I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that right. And I'm getting the Strong's number right there. But there's that word, right? It's the It uses the same word in Genesis 9.13 when God set a bow in the sky as a covenant. And so in Revelation 6, the Antichrist doesn't have a weapon of war. He doesn't have like a bow, an arrow bow. He has a covenant of peace in his hand. And that fits so much more because we understand that he's going to sign a covenant oh with the Jews. And so so he this is I'm I'm reading email right now. To understand this, by the time this occurs, the rapture will have already happened, correct? And put the world into chaos, which, you know, you lose, we kind of did some rough Two math. billion people. Yeah, we lose two billion. Yeah, there's going to be a little chaos there. Uh, and this is what causes war, of which Israel will be part of. And the results of the war is one the world government to come that will, uh, let's read that sentence again. The results of the wars is the one world government to come that will come about. So, you know, that that's what that war is going to bring about. And it will eventually be divided into 10 kingdoms of which the Antichrist will rise out of. And so the covenant of peace and in parentheses false peace and we talked about that Mm -hmm. like we don't find peace in anything else other than jesus Mm -hmm. that's a faux false fake peace that's what he has and the many not all jews will agree and that goes back to daniel 9 27 he's going to sign a covenant with them and the ones that will not agree are the ones that understand that this covenant is really a covenant of death you know by god's words in isaiah 28 um they're the ones that they agree. They call it a covenant of peace. However, God in Isaiah twenty-eight fifteen, He calls it a covenant with death, and this covenant will be broken. Which, 
when we talk about covenants with God, those don't break. Yeah. We don't break covenants with God. And so this, uh, this happens during what Isaiah calls the overwhelming scourge, which is the uh, uh, 70th week of Daniel, i.e. the tribulation. And so he breaks the covenant with the many when he enters the glorious land, Daniel eleven forty one. So a lot of pieces to put together, but the key was just, you know, <clears throat> Understanding that's the same word used back in Genesis with a bow and, and having the, you know, what's the precedence there in that word? It was, it was signaling a covenant of, of peace that God would not destroy. He brought peace. And then that's the same bow that's the, not the same bow, but the same word is used for. So he's bringing a covenant of peace, the Antichrist. And so, so you not, done messed up, A.A. Ron. I, I done messed up, A.A. <laughs> Ron, right there. So I thought that was good. And, 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 and it's a teaching moment to say, uh, you know, us as pastors, we are called to live above reproach, but definitely we don't live above correction. Mm-hmm. And, and especially with, uh, with Revelation, you know, I, I picked up two extra commentaries that I normally don't read to try to give even more full understanding. And, and we as humans get it wrong all the time. I mean, these four or five guys that I read, um, I, I would say are the top minds. I mean, some just super smart dudes and they all don't agree. And a lot of the time, like, I don't think there's been a Sunday where in every verse I've read, everything that I'm studying, they're all like mm-hmm. online with it. And that's, and that's good. And I want to see the difference. And then, you know, and that's not replacing the Holy spirit or anything like that. That's my study. Then that goes into the sermon yeah. prep or whatever. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that I was like, and so that's good. There you go. Heard it first on the breakdown. Can only imagine what your scholar friend would have said about my sermon last <laughs> week. <laughs> you want to know? I can tell you. He watches every week. On a scale of <laughs> one to ten, how bad? Oh no! <laughs> He's no, like, no. here's thirty-seven. No, it, we we would be holding like because though some people would be like, wow, that's really my new okay mm-hmm. bow, not with arrows, it's a bow. But we still we still defended and pointed that the the antichrist is coming with peace. Just uh, there's that l- little detail or whatever. Yeah. Like that's what we're, so. I don't think we're heretical by any means. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not heretical by any means. And there's just different things that we focus on. Like, so for me, somebody could have got really bogged down in six, uh, looking at the seven, well, it's actually the six seals, because we'll get one more sealed um, in a couple weeks. And somebody could get bogged down in that. And, and so you can take the same text and the same meaning, but how you want to apply it and how do you want to present it can mm-hmm. be different. Yeah. So it's not really like there can be wrong and stuff like that, but... Take Laodicea, for mm-hmm. example, when we preached over the church in Laodicea, that was actually the second time I've preached that in front of a church. Okay. And the first time was totally different. I used more of my medical background and I treated, I kind of walked up and I said, hey, we're going to treat Laodicea, this church, like it's a patient coming into a doctor's mm-hmm. office. And I gave a couple stories about being a nurse and yeah. patients and some of the crazy things that we saw. And so we had, you know, p- the patient presenting with which symptoms. Mm-hmm. You know, we had um, evaluation, diagnosis. We had what's the uh, 
prognosis and different things like that. And so we, we used those as kind of our topical outline of, of chapter or whatever of Laodicea. And that was really good, but I didn't do that when we went to Revelation again. So it was a totally different one, but you still hold fast to the word. So that would have been so good. Okay. Next time we do that, I want to. <laughs> yeah. We could probably find it somewhere. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows where it's at? Um, okay. So here's a question that my wife and I, uh, discussed had last night. Uh oh, because I think there is a um... toilet seat goes down. <laughs> <laughs> Which way do you put the toilet paper? Yeah, is it, it over or under? The patent says over. There's a pat. They patented it. So I'm wondering, can I patent it the other way and like invent toilet paper that you goes can't on now, the other? You just gave our entire audience. I mean, you did it. Ah, uh, that means I, yeah, I have recorded. Uh, I don't proof, think evidence. Uh, maybe. <laughs> anyway, all right, question. Um, sorry, we got distracted so, by toilet sorry, paper. Was... Whoosh! <laughs> oh, squirrel. Uh, so my wife and I were talking last yep. night, um, which has been fun as we've kind of dissected Revelation. And so uh, my mind totally just went blank. Nope. Conversation last night. Oh, okay. Revelation. Um. So I think because we have a lot of preconceived notions about revelation yeah. and what is and isn't and does and doesn't happen, um, when we talk about peace mm. um, and that leading out with peace, yeah. here's where I go to, probably very wrong. Is it going to be like almost a utopian-esque society? Yeah. Okay, that's what I'm wondering is if that's what leads out in the kind of the whole world is in chaos because the raptures happened. Billions of people are gone. There is absolute absurdity in, in every way going on. And so something has to lead. And in my, in my mind, the, the closest thing uh, or the, the opposite thing from chaos is the closest thing that we could ever have to perfection. Yeah. And so is that manipulation a more utopian-esque society. Yeah, I I definitely would say it would be that. And so it's almost in line, you know, you ever heard that question, like, would you want heaven with the gold streets, the no more tears, the no more pain, and da, 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 without Jesus? Mm. And it's like, some people would say, yeah. Yeah, because the, the destination... <laughs> put your hand down. <laughs> because the destination, you know, sometimes is... is uh, over emphasized than it is the relationship and being with Christ. And so if I can have all of those good things without Jesus, I'll take it. The problem is <laughs> what makes all those things good is the presence of Jesus. Yeah. Like it's not heaven yeah, without yeah. him. And, and honestly, I think it's going to be the same way. It's, it's going to be this world is in chaos. And, and so how do we have peace where it's not going to be true peace. Mm -hmm. It's going to be absence of war. Yeah. It's going to be absence. Honestly, I could even see because of where our world is even at and the level of social justice. Mm -hmm. But if you focus on social justice without the gospel, you're just doing community service, mm -hmm. you know, but how many churches yeah. over focus on social justice and there's no, there's no gospel to their message or whatever, you know, it's going to be, there's going to be no more need for that because it's going to be all of those things that like, oh, this is peaceful. This is nice. This is good. There's no more wars. There's Nothing no more racism. There's yeah. no more whatever. You know, it, I think there's going to be things like that. And it's going to be very deceptive. And 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 as it 
as it will be. I mean, it's it's not even that it's going to be a lie. I think he really will provide an absence of war, a utopian. The the deception is that it's always going to be that. Yeah. We know he's going to break the covenant in three yeah. and a half years. He's going to end that peace. And so um, I think the deception is like, oh, yeah, this is what we've always wanted. It's like, actually, no. Yeah. This is good until it's... Yeah, because even in that, like, take a very utopian... Uh, I don't know, you'd call it, I want to say communistic, where like nobody's poor, everybody has what they need, everybody's taken care of, nobody's fighting, There's we're all getting along, it's all, you know, Woodstock, 70s, 60s, you know, we're all high, getting along, give peace a chance, the Beatles were finally right, whatever you want to say, your heart will still yearn for something more. Yeah. It It will not fulfill that. And so... That's the, that's sometimes the struggle we even get into even this side of glory as Christians, you know, before we're even walking through the end times is we, we fall for such a faux peace Mm -hmm. and we don't understand that the peace of God in our lives isn't a, a calmness in our life, you know, internally or externally. The peace with God is that we are at peace with God and, and from there overflows a peace of God, but the the uh, initial uh, intent is to be at peace with God, meaning that before we surrender to him in faith and trust, we were at war with God. And so that's, you know, when we talk about the peace of God, it's not that you're sitting by the lake on a nice morning and the water's at peace Dang and you, and you just feel <laughs> restore my soul. And we read Psalm 23 and it's all great. You know, like it's, I've been fighting God and and now I'm yeah. not and I am at peace with him. My life's still broken. Life's still messy. The kids are still crazy. You know, uh, I'm still a, a broken creature, even though I'm redeemed and being restored. Like, and I have good standing with God, but I'm still in the middle of my own sanctification. So it's it's that right standing with God is the peace of God. And, and that overflows so that like, you know, you, you take the atheist and you take me as a Christian. Yeah, we both have kids that, you know, at times can drive us up the wall, mm-hmm. you know. Well, I thought you were a Christian, Nick. Why why wouldn't that go away? Or, well, you don't have financial problems, do you? You never you never worry about paying a bill or, you know, doing anything or the gas money going up or, you know, like we say all these things. And it's like, oh, no, I have the peace of God. And it's like, that's a lie. Mm-hmm. You know, the peace of God is that I am in a relationship with him. And that's that's what choir, quiets the waters that are raging within my heart and my mind. Not that my life is perfectly smoothed out and ironed out. Yeah. And so many people want that faux peace and they give up on God when they don't get that. They, they have that emotional moment at a church service or a worship service or a camp or a conference. And then three, two, three weeks later, hold on, their life is still crazy and messed up. And why well, I thought I was supposed to have peace and they give up on them, yeah. which goes back to the parable of the soils. You know, that's the, either the, the shallow soil or the, you know, weeds that's going to mm-hmm. choke them out. There's no depth there. There's there's a false expectation because they're going after a false peace. And I think that's the very thing that the Antichrist will provide. It's not going to be, again, counterfeit. It's going to seem almost yeah. 
to the real thing. And there's, you know, even with the counterfeit money, like there has to be something, at least parts of it have to be authentic. Yeah. So you take a, you take like a, let's go with art because I, I like art. If you're going to fake a, uh, a Van Gogh, you need to make the paint the same way he did because that's going to be the easiest telltale sign. Yeah. You, you yeah, can't yeah. just go down to the store at Joanne's and buy paint. Can't buy Van Gogh paint. You can't buy Van Gogh paint because that's not how he made his paint. You can't just go down to Hobby Lobby and grab a canvas because that's not how he, I mean, so it has to be a real canvas of that era. It has to be real paint uh, style, you know, to make it. Like there has to be, and those are real things. They're authentic pieces. They're authentic but pieces. The piece as a whole. But when you put it together and you call it a Van Gogh, that's the fake part. And so there is going to be real elements to the piece that the Antichrist is going to bring. And I mean, even now, let's call it now. That's the same thing that Satan wants to do in our life. There's going to be real elements to the counterfeits that he's bringing. But we, we have to see it not just for its different pieces, but what the whole is. And that's going back to the line in the sermon that if we try to find peace in anything other than Jesus, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the key marker right there. Yeah. So like if, if there's this one world leader and he's uniting and everything's peaceful, it's like if I'm not seeing Christ magnified and glorified, yeah, that's not peace. Yeah. You know. And so so often we we find ourselves and and I love what you said we focus on our our present realities mm. um and we view like that's how we base our world view you know so when my life is chaotic then my relationship with the lord is chaotic like those are those direct correlations of yeah. you know like oh my life should be peaceful because I'm at peace with god my life isn't peaceful therefore I'm not like we just yeah. make those direct correlations and it's like that's <clears throat> we've missed the mark yeah. completely because we think even like so right now in our and, and where we're at in the church age you know oh if my life is troubled i'm doing something wrong and it's like or it could be that you're doing something right you know like think of what jesus did he he came to comfort those who were disturbed and he disturbed those that were comfortable mm-hmm. you know so there's times in my life that i i'm resting in my comforts it's like i I need the lord to shake me up a little bit disturb me and then other areas of my life that are very disturbing and i need the comfort of the lord you know and so that's that's what's kind of hard is like oh my my life is hurting everything's upside down it's like you know uh, there there is a phrase that we use growing pains Mm -hmm. there there's a reason for that it's not it's not easy it's not always comfortable sometimes it's going to hurt a little bit i mean we all the all the descriptors that we use talking about maturing in our spiritual growth refining with fire pruning you know even surgical that we're allowing the holy spirit to cut out things of our lives like a surgeon it's like none of those sound good no you know what I mean? Sound painful. Yeah, they sound painful. Chopping things off. But then the moment, you know, the moment we endure a little bit of pain, it's like, oh, what's it? We run from the Lord or or we at least shake our fist at him. And it's like, why am I having to hurt to grow in my faith? And mm-hmm. it's just like, where you didn't get that from scripture. Yeah. Which is concerning because then we are, we are making mm. these non-biblical statements as truth statements. Yeah. 
and then trying to find scripture to back them or at least, you know, our, our attack of God's character to say, well, I'm experiencing this, so God's not who he says he is. And it's like, he never said he was that. You you, you're worshiping a false expectation of who you think Jesus should be. Mm, that's so good. You're not, you're not, um, uh, whatever, you're not, not revealing to yourself. You're not um, finding who God really is, who Jesus really is, and following him. Mm-hmm. You have this kind of preconceived yeah. idea yeah, yeah. a little bit, so that's good. Well, I don't know about all that, but that—I mean—and that's just me. That's my life right there. Like <laughs> Dude, that was my life the last week. <laughs> We've had a rough couple of weeks. <laughs> that's, that's been the last two weeks of my oh. life. No, because it's like we were we were sitting on the couch last night, which I can't, honestly I can't remember the last time that we've like in the craziness of life and kids and everything just yeah. like sat down and. And so we've kind of popped questions back and forth, like, hey, what did you get out of, or what did you, I really appreciate, you know, just things like that. But we were talking last night, and, you know, we were just trying to flesh out what is, what does peace look like when we're not here? Yeah. When the world is, has to be in complete chaos. Like, and it doesn't take much for us to think, um, okay, a large percentage of the population is gone. Yeah there there's going to be some it may not look like turmoil like we see now like yep. war or things like but there is going to be some sort of we are pe- we are black and white people we want and need explanation you yep. know and so as we kind of flesh that out the you know the only place that i could come was was that very utopian kind of society yep. where what we think and feel in our present reality makes us believe that that this is good and this yeah. is going to last. And then catastrophically, yep. not only is it not going to, it's going to get real ugly. Yeah. Real quick. Real quick. And I think the other, you know, cause sometimes we read revelation, especially when we get to this like chapter six and on, and we're going through the seals, the trumpets, the bowls and all the stuff that we're going to see, um, you know, and, and we hit. So I think, uh, very points that hit very well, really defended the point. Like, like the church is not going to endure through this. Mm-hmm. The, the church is not going to be in the tribulation. We really, you know, that is a theological point revealed in scripture that we are holding fast to. And that does have implications mm-hmm. obviously for us. Yeah. Cause then it's like, okay, good to know. Here we are. Um, I have peace about that now. Yeah. And so a lot of times you'll hear the, then why are we studying Mm. Why do we read this then if this is not going to be a part of us? And I kind of, I was using this as an analogy for something else at home. I was talking to one of my kids about something and I used the same as an anal- same analogy for something different. But it's kind of like the abortion argument when, I know, so yeah, you just you gave the face for going to like left field. Okay. You know, one of the uh, uh, arguments that we get pushback on is why specifically me as, as a man, why should I have an opinion about an, an abortion? Like, oh, you don't have a uterus, you shouldn't have to, yeah. you shouldn't get to speak into it. And and the response to that is, it it doesn't matter my body parts. Mm-hmm. Every member of society, I think one is allowed and should, and it, uh, to have an opinion about the morality mm-hmm. of the law 
of the nation, the community, the culture, the, you know, we should be able to speak into the morality. Otherwise you start leaning into dictatorship. Yeah, exactly. And that's Limiting. what that yeah. is. And so, yes, you are right. I do not have a uterus, but I, but I do have a body part that does play a critical role <laughs> in <laughs> conception. Thank you for your... See, I, I softened it. I don't that know. That might be the most uh, normal, mature thing I've ever heard come out. Thank like you. in the sense of how that could have gone. <laughs> and so, <laughs> sorry, try to, not, not even trying to bring levity to this situation. You know, so it's like, you know, when we're talking about conception, we're talking about this new life mm -hmm. at conception and, and that and, and our treatment of that person that's a morality issue. Mm -hmm. And so as a member of this culture, this society, this nation, uh, I should be allowed to speak into that morality. Yeah. And when we try to take that away, you know, that's not good. And so uh, we, we need to be okay with that. Yeah. Like, and we have to provide that. And so, so as we are, studying revelation, you know, Hey, we're not going to be a part of that. Why are we studying that? We need to understand what's going to go on even in this where maybe I personally will never experience an abortion. Yeah. I'm a male. Yeah. yeah. Now I could experience it uh, very close second hand mm -hmm. if, if my significant other spouse or but no, no concern there, but that would be the closest. Like, like when I got cancer, like I was in the driver's seat, but my wife was in the passenger seat. We experienced it two different ways. So why are we studying Revelation if we're not going to experience it? Well, we need to understand holistically, theologically, because one of the questions that so many people struggle with is the problem of evil. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I honestly believe that that is w more than abortion more than homosexual homosexuality and gender and all that like what is one of the toughest questions uh for the church to answer well is going to be the problem is not going to be is the problem of evil mm -hmm. and how can there be so much pain and suffering and we have a god that we claim to be so loving and merciful and faithful like how does he allow this evil to happen and why doesn't he do anything about it mm -hmm. And we kind of talked about that at the very beginning of Revelation. And it's like, everybody wants to ask that question. Why doesn't God do anything about it? Then when we get to the part that we say, all right, this is what God's going to do for those that are We evil. lose our minds. Yeah. And, and then the other sense that I kind of talked about Sunday was we can't, we can't look at the seals, the trumpets, the bowls, and see those things and then try to interpret God from those. Because mm -hmm. how how God is acting towards evil is different than how God acts towards righteousness, mm -hmm. you know? And so to see, Hey, that's how you're acting towards evil. Oh, that's how you're going to treat everybody. No. Like if we're camping, me and the kids and, and the wife, we're camping and, uh, and a mountain lion rolls into the tent or into the campsite. I'm going to treat that mountain lion differently than I'm going to treat one of my kids, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. but just because somebody sees how I, how I treat this threat of danger. Oh, he's angry. He's oh, he's, oh, person. look at that yeah. guy. I, I pray for him and his kids. Like, could you imagine being one of his kids? That's a daggone mountain lion. 
you know, we went to there, curl it up, <laughs> sing it, it, yeah, it. pet it, tell it it's doing a great <laughs> job, and you know, so proud that you're my kid. No, like, and so God, God is treating evil, which, uh, you know, the key things are, uh, we have to view God's universal judgment in the tribulation through the lens of the cross. Mm-hmm. It is his treatment of them is out of rejection of Christ. Mm -hmm. And even in that, even in his treatment, you know, we see kind of the rhythm, which is another like shalom piece. You know, we see the rhythm of God. He doesn't just bring all the seals, all the trumpets, all the bowls, all at the same time and just decimates everything, which he could. Yeah. And he would be righteous and just to do so. But instead, he brings a rhythm about it, and I believe, just like he did in uh, Exodus with Israel and Egypt, he did this in a rhythmic way so that those whose hearts are hardened to God, they would continue to be hardened. Mm -hmm. And those who would turn to God would have an opportunity for that. So we actually see more the mercy of God mm-hmm. in the tribulation, then we see the wrath of God. That's why it's a book of hope. That's why it's a book of encouragement. That even in God's dealing with those that have rejected him, there is still mercy. Now the issue is we know that day is drawing near. And so there will be at one point that that will stop. Yeah. But nobody at that moment will be able to look at God and said, you never, I just never had the opportunity. You never gave me a chance. You never. So what is more on, and you, it's, I don't, I don't want to say like reading between the lines, but to take it fully, when we see that, like you see more the mercy of God in the tribulation, even here and like, so chapter seven, it's a parenthetical chapter. We'll talk about that Sunday. And so these are just filling in the details, filling in the Mm -hmm. gaps for us of what's already taken place in this time. And, you know, for him to seal 144,000, like that's different. It's, there's a little bit of different wording here. That's different than him, like calling us into ministry. Mm -hmm. He, I'm not, I'm not one of the sealed 144,000 and nor is my calling upon my life like that. Yeah. I think it's going to be, I think that ceiling's going to be a little bit different because they're going to live through the tribulation. Mm-hmm. He called me as a pastor, but how many pastors do we know around the world are being killed yeah. for their faith and yeah. for their, you know, ministry. So it's, it's going to be a little bit different, but here we have like a very active, uh, action that's going to be done by God sealing the 144,000 for what, they're going to be these Jewish evangelists that that's their, so we'll read that at the first part of seven, the next part of seven, we see the great multitude, which is the fifth seal. Mm -hmm. Those are the, the tribulation saints. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to see the fruits of that ministry and which is unlike anything we've ever, ever experienced. Yeah. The great tribulation is actually going to be a great harvest of salvation. That's like going to be a key thing I'll talk about Sunday. So I'm like giving away half the sermon already. But, but, and that's what the hard part is like, you have to hold all that in tandem. It's like, so, so I say something heavy Sunday that, oh, a fourth of the population is going to be killed. Well, hang on. Cause when we get to the trumpets, a third of the population is going to be killed. Then a fourth plus a third 
is actually half the population is going to be killed and we're not even to the bowls, which some theologians would say that is only the tribulation. That's the great tribulation. That's the, that's the literal hell on earth. And it's like half the population has gone and we haven't even got to the hell on earth part. Like <laughs> what the, what the heck? No. So that's the, you know, and, and so we read all of that. We say those heavy things, but we have to say in the context through the lens of the cross. One, it is out of a rejection, but there is still mercy available. You know, now it, it looks differently than it does in the church age. And we could get all theological and talk about that. But more the focus of, again, how do we affirm and hold to God's character through that? You know, well, it's answering the problem of evil. And even in God's answer, he, he reveals his mercy as well. Yeah. It's like, dang. Um, real quick, for someone who's new to the podcast, new to maybe the podcast. new to faith. New to faith. Um, define grace. Oh, define, define mercy. mercy. See if I can do this right. I tried to do it on a Sunday one time, and I just so butchered it. And I was like, go back and watch it like three times. Maybe I'll figure it out. So, and it's good that you bring this up because these are churchy words yeah. that we just love to say like, oh, the grace and the mercy of Jesus. And it's just like, what is that? Like I went to school with a girl named Grace. <laughs> Sorry, bad jokes. That's what I do. I didn't know any mercies. You didn't know any mercies? I didn't know any mercies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, grace is not getting, I'm sorry, see, I'm already messing it up. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Okay. So, so there's times I want to show my kids grace. And so when they act up and they've, and it's been a rough day, we'll actually go to Sonic oh. and we'll get them ice cream. And I'll say, you don't deserve this, but I'm giving this to you anyway, so that you understand and know what grace is. Okay. I'm giving you what you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. And so in the same breath, instead of getting ice cream, you deserve punishment. You deserve a whooping. But I did not give that to you. And that is the mercy of God. Yes. That's how, those. that's the quick, easy, um, street level yeah, yeah. kind of definitions. But it's good, because when we come to Revelation and we... I, I feel like that language changes yeah. from grace to mercy. And that's why you never hear. Yeah. Let me, let me, let me process it real quick. Don't quote me, but you always see grace listed as a gift, but never mercy. Hmm. Never thought about that. Grace is a gift because you're getting something. Oh, I don't deserve that. That's why it's a gift. Yeah, that if you think you're deserving of it, you you erase the giftedness of the gift. And so if you think you deserve it and God gives it to you anyway, that actually it doesn't it not only smears the gift, it smears hmm. the gift giver because then he didn't give you a gift. He, he now you're just doing commerce with one another. I did this, I deserve that. Like I was a good boy giving me my payment. You're just doing yeah. commerce at that point. And God has never asked us to do commerce with him. Yeah. Trust and belief and receiving salvation as a gift. That's not commerce. 
nor does he look down the corridor of time, which some people think that's what foreknowledge is. And and he sees that, oh, you'll respond to him in faith. So he gave you, no, that's commerce. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, it's a free gift to us where mercy, he's not given you. You know, like my pastor kind of used, uh, uh, I forgot how he did this one time. He was using like a front hand or a back hand. Like grace was giving you, he, so he'd hand out and uh, like he's extending a gift, what you don't deserve. And mercy is he would want a backhand. He's like, but I'm not going to do it. Mm. That's mercy. Mm. But I want a backhand. You deserve a good backhand. That's a good. Yeah. You deserve a good backhand. not going to give it to you. I'm going to, my hand's going to extend a gift to you instead. Yeah. Cause when you give something that you're. Yep. So mm. in the cross of Christ, you see both with a gift that we don't deserve salvation. Mm -hmm. And then the mercy of God, the wrath of God that we do deserve, he doesn't pour out on us. Yeah. And think it, he could have gave us the gift of salvation and poured his wrath on us, but then he wouldn't have been merciful. And then if he didn't pour out his wrath on us, but he didn't give us the gift of salvation, then he wouldn't be graceful. But Jesus mm -hmm. is grace and mercy. That they, they are two separate things, but they go very well hand in hand together. And so you see the fullness of God in that. Which even for me, like, okay, let's go back to the conversation yeah. about why we're studying Revelation. Like, why, why does it matter if we're not going to be here? Why, why yeah. are we diving into? Like, and and I, I've so appreciated the language that, that you've used, we're going to let the character of God um, be a lens in which we interpret yeah. um, the words of God that we find yeah. in Scripture. And it's like, especially in our culture, and our context, so often what we want to do is cherry pick, yeah. or we want to find the, uh, well, that, how does a good, loving God allow evil? You know, like, yeah. we want to go find those yeah. dichotomies, like, something doesn't make sense, and it's like, it's never going to make sense if you only study bits and pieces. Like if you don't have the full context and the full understanding, then all you're going to see God as is a merciful God, but not a gracious God or only gracious, but not merciful or only wrathful and vengeful mm -hmm. without grace and mercy. Like you're never going to get the full, and I don't want to say it this way. I can't think of any other way to say yeah. it. Personality traits yeah. of, <clears throat> of who God is and his character. Yeah. No, that's good. Like think about, Think about when you when you first met your wife. Mm -hmm. So she's probably not even a girlfriend at the time. You were you were just out hunting. <laughs> she was dating somebody else on the campus <laughs> of SBU. <laughs> the crocodile hunter over here in Gerard another Huddleston. relationship. <laughs> you know, and so as as we have gotten to know our significant other, so let's let's walk it through the, the dating phase. You know, there was a certain level of depth that we understood when we learned not how we dealt with good things, mm -hmm. you know, cause that's all the first few dates are. It's all fake. Mm -hmm. Let's just be real. You're going to go to really nice the restaurants. Best of the best. You're going to dress really nice. Like you want to, you want to create a really good environment and atmosphere to try to bring out not only the goodness in them, but the goodness in yourself. You want to put your best foot forward. We say all of those things, right? And those are good things. Yeah. Is this person someone I could have fun with that I could see? Da, da, da. But then there's another level of eventually when poo hits the fan, 
you get a flat tire, it's raining, something goes wrong, how does that person react? That brings another depth of understanding of that person. My wife knows me. She knows how I'll act when things are going great and mm-hmm. I'm just loving life. Mm-hmm. And then she knows the depth of my depravity when everything <laughs> goes wrong, you know, and I'm, and I'm acting crazy. Well, in the same breath, yes, we won't experience the wrath of God being poured out, but the manner in which he is doing it. And as we, as it's been revealed to us, we get to learn more about God. Mm-hmm. And so, like you're saying, we get to understand those character traits, those personality traits, and that is good for us, even though that we're not going to experience. Like, so in the same breath, sorry, keep moving here. Um, how I act when I go to a, a restaurant where my wife not, might not experience that, she, she wants to see how would he act? And, and there, you know, even when I'm not around, mm-hmm. this is who he is. He mm-hmm. does not change. And so we have a God that we say is graceful, merciful, loving, all of those, mm-hmm. you know. And so even in the things that we are not going to experience, we get to see a glimpse of that. And it's like, he is still who he says mm-hmm. he is. So when scripture says, I, the Lord, do not change, when he declares that to us, even in his outpouring of wrath, because he's still a wrathful God, he's still a just God, he's still a holy God. But even in that, you know, we see his mercy and his grace through it. Mm-hmm. And, and so, it, so, yeah, we're not going to experience it, but even in the things that we're not going to experience it, we can experience the character of God. Mm. And, and, and why wouldn't we want to know more about God? Like even, wow, if that's how he is treating those that have rejected him, that he's going to, he's going to put it in, in waves and there's going to be a rhythm to it so that there, there is going to be a harvest of, uh, that is going to be uncountable of salvation where he, he could, and he would be rightly so, and it would not smear his character. Yeah but he still offers that, you know, like that's the God that we serve. Like that's why it's important for the church, even though we're not going to experience tribulation to study tribulation because is God who he says he is. And when we dig deep and see uh, his orchestration of these events, yeah, he is no matter how horrible they are. Yeah. Because in the same breath, he's done this in our own heart. So in tribulation, he is pouring out his wrath. At the same time, he, he, is, he is pulling people out of that mm-hmm. onto salvation. And so now look at our lives. How can God kill sin but, but also save the person at the same time? He can't just completely decimate us, mm-hmm. nor can he wink at our sin. Mm-hmm. So how does he kill one thing when that's a part of who we are and that's why the cross of Christ is so great is because it does kill sin, defeats sin, but doesn't obliterate us at the same time. And we're called out of that, you know? So in a, in a small sense, we get a glimpse of that individually. He's, he's just going to pour out that same wrath because the wrath reserved for us was poured out on Christ on the cross 
it, and so you get a small glimpse of that, that where he's going to do through the tribulation, even though he's there's his holiness, his righteousness, his justness is going to be poured out through his wrath. At the same time, there's going to be salvation available and, and, and will be extended for those tribulation saints. So I think it defends even more. This is, this is a loving, graceful, merciful, truthful, like, Everything that we've known about God, yes, this is who he is, even more. And that's why, I don't know, that's why I don't think we should be scared of revelation. Now, if you don't have a relationship with the Lord, if you've never put your faith in your you should be absolutely terrified. And I even said it Sunday, like, if, if we, I think there's enough evidence that we could look at Christ through all the positive attributes and say, I want a relationship with him Mm -hmm. and we should run to him. So we're being delivered to something. Yeah. But if some of us are so stubborn and thick-skulled that that doesn't do it for us, yeah, I hope we literally scare the hell out of you. Yeah, you know, understanding that we are destined for hell, we, which is just we are destined for separation from God. And the best way, poetically, literal, figurative, whatever, it's rooted in a reality that the biblical writers could describe it: hell, fire, brimstone, darkness, everlasting fire, weeping, gnashing of teeth, mm-hmm. like whatever that is. Yeah, I don't know if I want a part of that. No, I oh, definitely don't. And and so how do I, you know, and that's a good starting spot, like, you know, to run to the Lord in fear. Well, that's the beginning of wisdom. Yeah. To understand who am I in 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 light of an eternal being, God, who, yeah, the, I, he cannot allow sin, depravity, whatever, into his presence. And so how how do we, and I love the line, not the, Oh, do you know if you go to heaven, if you die tonight, like if you were to stand before God, why would he allow you a broken, horrible sinner, right? Like if you've done one sin, which we've all sinned, why would he allow you into his perfect presence? How could he allow you Mm -hmm. into his perfect presence? That's so if it's, if it's through the positive attributes or if we, you know, lead out of like within our own heart, like, oh man, the, the fear of being eternally separated from God and wherever the descriptors are of that, like both are very good motivators. And some people kind of bash at that. They think, oh no, we don't need to run to the Lord in fear. And it's like, how many people in the Bible ran to the Lord out of fear? Because what you're going to find in that is you're going to find that's not the only. Yep. You're going to find grace. You're going to find love. You're going to find truth. And for the one that runs to that first, then you also have to learn about you got the look. wrath and the judgment, you know, like, and I think it's, I think it, there's been more struggles of faith for those that ran to the Lord out of love and had to learn his wrath than, and his yep. holiness and his justice compared to those that understood maybe his holiness and justice and then learned of his love. Most of the old Testament understood the holiness of God. Yep. Think of what the whole tabernacle and the temple and even, you know, uh, Uzzah dying because he put his hand up against the Ark of the Covenant. Well, why would God kill? Because David did wrong and he was not carrying the Ark in an appropriate yep. manner. So God's holiness is so just that it requires that? Yes. Mm-hmm. The Old Testament, those cats, they understood the holiness and the righteousness of God. Like Moses, the most humblest of man, he understood. Isaiah 
understood. He's having this vision or he's in the throne room and like, who am I? A man of unclean lips? Like I'm going to die. And if it wasn't for the angel coming over with a piece of coal to atone for his blood guiltiness, right? And he made him clean, ritually pure. Like he led in holiness first. Then he understood Mm -hmm. the mercy of God to not take his life and kill him. Uh, Jonah, Jeremiah, Hosea, they, they, it all led in the holiness of God. First, we get to the new Testament. We see Jesus, which he absolutely is grace, love, and mercy. But it's like, we look at him as if he is not the same God of the old Testament. Hmm. For some reason, why did we diminish the holiness of Christ? Holy God and timid Jesus. Just because he ate with mm. tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes yeah. didn't make him any less righteous or pure or holy. And I've even, like in my own life, I've struggled with that is, you know, in, in my prayer life is just, uh, even within our family, just working through... Um, the fact that we have the privilege of talking with mm-hmm. a holy God and not, and that he does care for us and he does want to know our hearts and he wants us to have that conversation with him, but not to do it so flippantly that it's, Oh Lord, bless this meal. Yeah. Oh Lord, let me get good rest tonight. Oh Lord, if you'd help me win the lottery, oh, like, you yeah. know, just very flippant. Like, you know, I, I go back, you know, one of the things when we, when we were in Bible college, I remember like we spent a whole day talking about, um, the priest tying bells around their ankles when they walked in the Holy of Holies. Oh, yeah. Why? Because if they didn't do the rituals 100% perfect. You walk in the presence of God in an unholy, un... You're done. Done. So if the bell stopped ringing, no one else can go in and get you. We I've had to heard, drag you out. I've heard that's what Jingle Bells is really about. <laughs> so next time you sing it, think about that dead priest <laughs> walking in the Holy of Holies. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle bells. I'll never hear that song the know, same way again. But it, we we see that, and we I don't know why we lose sight of that because then, like now, put it at street level. When we diminish the holiness, the purity of God, what do you think our obedience is to? Mm. Our faith, our yes. trust is in response to His grace. But our obedience is in response to his holiness. So why do I live this certain way where I do these certain things and I don't do these certain things? Why do I live in obedience to the Lord? Because he is a holy, just God. Well, what happens when you miss? Then you, then there's grace. But so many times we lead in, in God's grace and it's that uh, antinomianism where, oh, God will forgive me because he's a forgiving God. God will not be mocked. And you just mocked him. You will, you will reap what you sow. Yeah. And so to have that mentality, oh, God will forgive me, I challenge that. Yeah. I challenge that, that heart that says, oh, I can go and sin and it doesn't matter because God will forgive me. Now, coming to the place to understand that I am a sinner and there's forgiveness, that's a different heart. Yep. yep. 
But for some reason, we hold so hard to the grace of God and we have diminished the obedience to him. Yeah. And so in the same breath, we have held fast to his grace, his mercy, his love, but we have diminished his holiness, his righteousness, his purity. And so then when we do come to revelation and places like that, there is the struggle. It's not that there's a problem of evil. There's a, there, the problem of evil is actually the problem of your misunderstanding of the holiness of God. Mm. Dang. So welcome to the breakdown. Well, next week we dive into seven. Seven, parenthetical chapter. Read we, up, study up. You gave us half your message already, so. I know, I got to go rewrite it now. <laughs> <laughs> just know, uh, next week, uh, Nick will have a whole new sermon. Just for, Whole new sermon. For those yeah. of you, but hey so, man, thanks again for uh, sitting down with us. We'll dive in next week with uh, chapter seven, and uh, we, 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 we might have uh, some exciting news to share next week. Yeah, we got a little something, something. A little something, something to kind of unveil, unleash, reveal. You just have to listen next week to find out what it is. I like it. But uh, we'll see you guys next week. Have a great week. Thank you.